turn with me, if you would, for a short period of time this evening to Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophecy of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, and we wish to take the words that we have at the beginning of verse 12, therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. For too long, Israel or Judah, as it was, for too long they had forsaken God's word. They had listened to the false prophets. They had imbibed the word and thoughts of man. And they had completely ignored the word of God. And the threat of judgment that God had brought to Israel and to Judah. Now God's people are in bondage. And if God's people are in bondage, what are the three things that you need? What are the three things that the church today needs? In a day when the church is cast aside, you'll be persecuted if you speak out against immoral behaviour. You will be persecuted if you name the name of Christ. We are fast going into the place where it will be illegal even to mention things from the pulpit. And what do, the, what do God's people need on such a day of declension? Well, there are three things that are needed, can I suggest to you. There is a need for a word of encouragement. There is the need for the word of assurance. And there is the need for a word of promise. And that is exactly what Ezekiel is told to prophesy to God's people as they are down in Babylon. In verse 12, you have the word of encouragement. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. What a wonderful word of encouragement to them as they were down in Babylon. And then in verse 13, can I suggest, we have a word of assurance. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of, out of your graves. A wonderful word of assurance. And then you have a word of promise in verse 14. And I shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. So we want to look this evening at, first of all, a word of encouragement. Secondly, a word of assurance. And thirdly, a word of promise. Let us then go, first of all, to a word of encouragement. <clears throat> God says to Ezekiel, shows Ezekiel the valley of dry bones. 
and how the valley of dry bones, the dry bones are brought together and they become a mighty exceeding army. It's the work of God. Ezekiel at this time and the children of Israel are down in Babylon. They're in captivity. What can we learn from that? Well, my friend, we can learn a lot from that. We think to ourselves how quickly our nation has departed from the gospel and from the truth. You go back 30, 40 years, there are things that are spoken today that it would have been unthinkable even to, to mention. Things that 20 years ago would have been seen as child abuse is now being taught in schools. My friend, how quickly our nation has departed from what she once was. And Ezekiel knows that. Because Ezekiel was born in 623 at the very time of Josiah's Reformation. He was raised up in a time of Josiah's Reformation. You think of how Josiah came and cast out all the idols. There was a Reformation that took place in 623. But Jerusalem is destroyed in 585-86. 30 odd years later, and Israel is like a valley of dry bones in the grave. You see how quickly things can change. It's not just in our own day that things can change very quickly. It is in Ezekiel's day. The Reformation under Josiah wasn't likely a Reformation of the heart. An outward reformation. But before 20 years is up, Ezekiel is transported down into Babylon. He becomes the one prophet among the outcasts in Babylon. He's the one prophet down there. Jeremiah is prophesying in Jerusalem and has been prophesying even before Ezekiel was born. Jeremiah is saying the same things in Jerusalem. And now Ezekiel is down in Babylon. And he's telling them that unless they repent and turn to God, Jerusalem will be destroyed. Even Ezekiel couldn't understand that. Even Ezekiel was, was taken apart with that. How could God destroy Jerusalem? He could destroy all their other cities, but not Jerusalem. Even Ezekiel was astounded to hear that God was going to do this. But God warned them, if you do not repent, and if you continue the way you are going, and if you break your vow to Nebuchadnezzar, which you've made in the name of Yahweh, judgment will come upon you. My friend, we live in a day where in marriage, people take vows, they break them. Ministers in pulpits break their vows. Think nothing of it. And yet God said to Jerusalem and to, to, through Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you break your vow that you've made to Nebuchadnezzar in the name of Yahweh and God's judgment is going to come upon you. That's exactly what happened. Zedekiah goes to Egypt. Judgment comes. And now Ezekiel has seen 
the destruction of Jerusalem. My friend, what greater day of, is there a need for Ezekiel to be given encouragement? Look at what they say in verse 11. Our bones are, he said, then say unto me, son of man, these bones of the house of Israel, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we are cut off from all, for all our parts. That's what, the, the, their bones were dried up. And if your bones are dried up and there's no, and, and there's a dead body, there's no hope. And because there's no hope, they're cut off from their parts, they're cut off from Jerusalem. My friend, what a age Ezekiel was in. And is that not, in some respects, the way we're going? God's people, the church in our land, dried up like dead bones. Things going the way they're going, cut off from the blessings of God. It's like the two in the road to Emmaus, wasn't it? The two in the road to Emmaus. When they left Jerusalem, they were cast down. All their hopes were gone. They were like cast off. They needed. And what a timely encouragement God now gives to Ezekiel and to God's people. How timely it is. Do you not find that? That God's time is so timely, so appropriate. He gives his people encouragement at the very right time. How appropriate it is. My friend, the Lord encourages us today. The Lord will give his own people his encouragement. Our, our, we, may, we may say we're like dried up. Our hope is gone, my friend. No, God will give you the encouragements that you need. Why did he give them the encouragement? And to whom was he giving this encouragement? Well, he tells us it is to the house of Israel. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Prophesy and say unto my people. My friend, here Ezekiel is saying that the Lord is giving to his people, his covenant people, encouragement. They are his people, they are my people. Ezekiel may have felt, and they, those there may have felt, well, all is lost. What's happened? To God's cause. But God comes and says, tell my people, go and prophesy to them, say to them, they are my people. I will never forget them. And my friend, the same Lord today says to his people today, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into this world that whosoever believes in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. How appropriate, how timely God's encouragements are. And look at how, how there are three things that they say. Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off for all our parts. Three things that God's people were saying. And when the Lord comes, he gives them three things that correspond to it as a way of encouragement. Say unto them, uh, he, they say, uh, our bones are dried. He says, I will open your graves. Oh, my people, I will open your graves. Our hope is lost, and I will cause you to come out of the graves. 
We are cut off from our paths. I will bring you into the land of Israel. You see, every time the Lord deals with his people and encourages them, he deals with the very needs that they have. The very thing they need is what he gives them. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is sufficient. When they are saying this, he comes, they're saying three things, and the Lord comes with three things to counter them. I see how gracious the Lord is to his people. What was the greatest thing that his people needed? It was to be, to deal with sin. To deal with sin. To deal with the, 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 the fall of Adam, the first Adam. That's what was needed. And how does God deal with that? He deals with it by the very, the only means by which he could deal with it. And that is his son Jesus Christ coming into this world. And as Jesus comes into this world, it, he is the, the son of God, bringing us into the presence of God. Such a person alone who was able to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. A divine person. And a divine person suffering and dying at Calvary's cross. My friend, when Jesus says, it is finished, he has dealt with everything that the poor sinner needs. He meets every aspect. Ezekiel here, they're saying three things. The Lord comes and says, well, here are three things that meets every single one of your uh, of your trials. And my friend, the Lord does the same today. The Lord answers and tells us how appropriate, how appropriate the Lord is. He comes to us and he blesses us because we are his covenant people. My people. This is the whole house of Israel. Go and tell my people. He's the covenant keeping God. What an encouragement. Do you know when they went down into Babylon? The Lord, it's wonderful when you come to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a wonderful book because you actually see the Lord rising up off the mercy seat. He rises off the mercy seat, the Shekinah glory. And where does he go? He goes to the Mount of Olives and stands there. My friend, that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ leaving the very temple. The day would come when the glory would leave the temple and go to the Mount of Olives. He goes to the Mount in the east and it stands there. And then he departs down into Babylon with them. And he says, I will be to you as a little sanctuary down in Babylon. The Lord goes with them down into Babylon. And he becomes a little sanctuary down in Babylon. And my friend, there is the beginning of the synagogue worship that ultimately would be so greatly used when the Lord Jesus comes. Paul going to these synagogues and meeting and finding congregations there. The early church consisting of those who were at the synagogue. God has all that in mind before he even before he even destroys Jerusalem the first time. What a wonderful encouragement the Lord gives to Ezekiel as they are down in Babylon. They think all their hope is gone. They think of or they think they think that, that we are dry, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off. The Lord says, 
You may be like dry bones, but I'll take you out of the grave and I'll make you like a mighty army. So there is an encouragement in verse 12. But then in verse 13, there is a wonderful assurance. It's all very well being encouraged. But surely when we are encouraged, we need the assurance given to us. And the Lord gives that assurance here uh, to Ezekiel. Ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. It's not what Ezekiel is going to do that, was his, that would be his assurance. We often look at ourselves and what we are going to do and my friend, that gives us no assurance. But God is saying to Ezekiel here, I am your assurance. What I can do and what I will do is your assurance. You shall know that I am the, when I have opened your graves. You will know when I have opened your grave. My friend, the assurance here surely is looking. God was going to bring Israel back to their own land. And they would build the temple again. The day of Ezra, they have Nehemiah. They have the day of Ezra, they have Nehemiah. They would come back down. But even there, Ezekiel in his prophecy is given a wonderful view that not only would the Lord bring Israel back and bless them. He would do more for them than they could even ever ask or think. The Lord was going to do for us. They, they thought, well, Ezekiel's thinking, what about God's covenant? What about the promise that was given by, to Adam that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent? And what about the wonderful promise that's been given to Abraham that in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed? God says, I will do this. You can be assured that you will be taken out of the graves and I will bless you. My friend, Ezekiel is being lifting his eyes more than just coming back to Jerusalem. He's being brought back to the time when God would unite God's people as one people. Two sticks, Israel and Judah, that had been so at enmity with each other they had been two separate. He says, I will bring them and I'll make them one stick. Israel and Judah will be united together as one. And they will have one king. They will have one king. David, my servant, shall be king over them, he says in verse 24. And they shall have one shepherd. And they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes. I will make a covenant of peace with them, my friend. Ezekiel has been, has been shown that the Messiah will come. He has the assurance that Judah and Israel will be united as one. And not only will they be united as one, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. You see, even, even Hosea says, they, they, they that are not my people, not they, those, those, the people who are not my beloved, they will be my beloved. And people that knew not me, they shall know me. The Gentiles. You see, God is going to do 
for Ezekiel and for God's people more than they could ever think or imagine. They weren't to walk by sight. They were down in Babylon. And how can you sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, in a strange land? How can you sing God's song down there? God says to them, Yes, you are there, but I can assure you that I will open it. Not just will he take them back, he'll actually open their graves. You know, he'll open their graves. Even the graves will be even. Even the enemy of death will be overcome. He'll even do something that that no man can do. How can you go out to a grave and dig a grave of a body that's been there? Because the Messiah will come. And he will overcome even the grave itself. He will rise triumphant over death in the grave. And I wonder, you know, when, when Jesus was uh, crucified we are told that the graves of the saints were seen in Jerusalem you wonder what that's all about I think that's going right back to what Ezekiel has been promised even the graves will be, be opened my friend do we not have a, an encouragement today that we know people who we've loved in this world and they've passed through this world and they've gone into the grave but what's the promise the promise is that one day Jesus will return and even the graves will obey his voice. I was preaching last week on what manner of man is this, Jesus Christ? What manner of man is he? In uh, the previous chapter in, in Matthew, there are three chapters, there's the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and they're saying, no man spake like this man. And then immediately after that, he's healing lepers. He heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. Lepers, and they, they came to him. There's two Gadarenes, all in one chapter, immediately after that. You go back to, his, uh, you go back to Elijah and Elisha. They did mighty works. But very few. We, I think we often have the view that Elijah and Elisha, they're going about doing all these mighty They do very few, actually. And if you think of Elijah, who raised this young child from death, what did he have to do? He stretched himself on this child, was it three times, and cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard his voice and brought life back into this child. What does Jesus do? A leper comes and says, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. He says, be clean. And he was clean. Just like that. Peter's mother, the, the, the centurion's servant that's full of the palsy, doesn't even see him. Go home, he's clean. Just like that. And one day, lepers, palsy, Peter's mother-in-law, they're coming to the door, bringing all the sick, and all he does is say the word. And they're cleansed. A woman just touches the hem of his garment, she's cleansed. My friend, what a person. And when he dies and rises from the grave, there are even saints whose graves are opened in token of the fact that, as he says here, ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. The day would come when God would bless Israel in a way that not even Ezekiel could ever imagine. 
perhaps Ezekiel's thinking, we'll come back to Jerusalem. And that'd be a wonderful thing. And it was a wonderful thing. But the temple wasn't anywhere near the first temple. But the Lord says here, and you shall know. When I do this thing, you will know. You can be assured. When you see what I do, you will know that I am Jehovah. My friend, do we know this evening that God is Jehovah because Jesus has risen from the dead? Do we know that the Lord Jesus Christ today is the head and king of the church and all power in heaven and in earth has been laid into his hands? Here are the children of Israel down in Babylon. They're in subjection. They're in bondage. But Jesus Christ has come into this world and now he has freed his people. There is no people as free as God's people. Because all things belong to you. Because you are Christ. And Christ is raised up in power and in glory. And nothing comes to pass Imagine what a wonderful assurance that is. Because when Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will bless you, and one day I will return again. My friend, are you assured of that? The lepers, the leprosy obeyed his voice. The palsy obeyed his voice. Even the devils obeyed his voice. They asked permission to come out and go into the swine. Even the winds and the sea obey his voice. And one day he will come back and even the grave will obey his voice. You can be assured. Why? Because the Lord has done this. Because the Lord has done this. What a wonderful encouragement to Ezekiel. An encouragement when he says, I will open your graves, I will cause you to come out of your graves and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And what a wonderful assurance. And when I have opened your graves, you will know, you will know that I have done this, that I have opened the graves. You will know that it is the Lord that has done it. And my friend, we have the assurance today because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We can know, we can be assured that the Lord has done this, not man. So we have words of encouragement, we have a word of assurance, but then we also have the word of promise. And that's in the next verse. I shall put my spirit in you, ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. What a wonderful promise that is, that the Lord gives to Ezekiel. It's a, a promise. I shall put my spirit on. He would give them another spirit. And in 70 years, Nehemiah and Ezra would come back down into, into to Jerusalem again. They would come back and God would begin to keep his promise. And they came back with another spirit, Nehemiah. A spirit to build the walls of Jerusalem again. But it really didn't go very quickly. Things were lagging behind. The work wasn't really progressing 
under Zerubbabel as one would have hoped. What was it needing? It was needing another encouragement. Zerubbabel was needing another encouragement. And what does the Lord say to Zerubbabel? When Zerubbabel is building and things are not going as well as they ought to be, what does the Lord say? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You see, this is just the beginning. This is just a type. This is just a foreshadowing of what God would do by his spirit. He would pour out his spirit upon his church and he would bring alive. He would make a mighty army and he would do it by his spirit, not Zerubbabel. Even the second temple was nothing in comparison to the first temple. And you see, the work of man was such that within a, a few hundred years, Jerusalem were back to the same place again. But the time you have the Lord Jesus coming, they were full of their self-pride once again. They wouldn't listen to God's word. They knew better than God. The same thing was happening all over again. It had been prophesied before. It had been foretold. It had been foreshadowed before. But now the Lord would fulfill his promise. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I will pour out my spirit and I will give another. I, I will build my own church. My friend, what a wonderful day. <clears throat> the day of Pentecost. Jerusalem would be destroyed again. Jesus, just as the Shekinah glory had lifted off and stood on the Mount of Olives, so Christ himself, the glory, would come to the second temple. The glory of the second temple would be greater than the first because God himself in our nature would attend to that temple. But he would come and stand on the Mount of Olives and then he would go outside the city gates. He would be crucified. And Jerusalem would be destroyed in 70 AD. But did that bring to an end? God's kingdom, my friend, that was the beginning. That's the beginning, my spirit. The spirit would blow from all the four corners. And God would build his church. My spirit. And I will bring you into your land. My friend, what does the church, what land does the church, what, what does the church own? All things. Long. He would he would build he would bring his church into into the church he would bring his people into the church he would bring his into his kingdom he would bring them and he would he would dwell in their midst he would be their God and they would be his he, he would be their God they would be his people David my servant shall be king and he will be the shepherd he will be the glorious king behold thy king cometh unto thee and he would be the shepherd to them. They would have their own land, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will gather them into that church. And once again, he says, and ye shall know. Verse 13, he says, ye shall know. When I have opened, and I have put my spirit in you, he, you shall know. The spirit, you see, is the spirit that, that, that was being promised here. It's a time of the Messiah, the promise that had been given to Abraham. That's what Ezekiel's looking for. 
That's what the Lord is now telling him. I will do more than you can even ever think or imagine. <coughs> Zerubbabel needed an encouragement, but then you had the high priest. Poor old high priest. When you come back to Jerusalem after 70 AD, you've got Zerubbabel trying to build the temple and <coughs> things were not going very fast, but the Lord gives him an encouragement, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Then you've got Joshua, the high priest. And you read of him, and he must be downcast. What kind of high priest is he? Because what you have is Joshua, the high priest, with the devil coming and saying to him, what kind of high priest is this? This Joshua. What kind of high priest is he? The accuser of the brethren comes. And he accuses Joshua, the high priest, of all manner of things. And Joshua's mouth is closed. The angel of the Lord comes. And he says, get thee hence. This is a brand that has been plucked from the burning. Take Joshua, wash him. Put on new clothes upon him. My friend... Joshua, the high priest, couldn't answer for himself. The angel of the Lord would answer for him. Christ would come. And my friend, is that not the glory of what was yet to come? David would be king. David would be the shepherd. And he would unite in one, the two sticks, Jerusalem, Israel, those who had before been antagonistic to one another, they would now be united together under one king, Jesus Christ. And my friend, is that not a wonderful promise? In, in, in Ephesians, Paul, Paul uh, enthuses about the fact of how not only Israel are brought together, but the Gentiles are brought together with the, with the Jews, with Israel all brought together, those who were strangers and foreigners are now brought together in one. You are one in Christ Jesus. Not two. Not different tribes, but one in Christ Jesus. That's wonderful, isn't it? What a wonderful promise. And my friend, there's a promise here to every single believer today. Not just that you will be one in this world with God's people as you go through this world, but in glory. In heaven, in glory, there is one song being sung in glory. It's the praises of the Lamb in the midst of the throne. The church today is one church, the church triumphant and the church militant. Those who leave this world and the church militant Enter into the church triumphant. The church is one. And my friend, when the believer leaves this world, what a glorious hope he has. And what a wonderful promise he has that he enters into the glorious presence of Jesus Christ. And as I've said, I think probably here before, I can't remember. Who can fathom what that's like? Who can fathom what it's like for a sinner to leave this world and enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King, the Head of the Church,
the elder brother. Who can imagine that? I can't. Who can imagine what hell's like? I can't imagine that either. But who can imagine what heaven's like? But that's the promise. Think of Stephen when he's put to death, lifting up his eyes, and there is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the promise that was given to the thief on the cross, one of the ladies in my congregation, a sweet, sweet lady. In my congregation, one of the nicest Christians you could come across. Get up, come through to the breakfast, said to her husband, Have you, do you not think what wonderful words the Lord Jesus had for the thief on the cross? He said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And she went through to the bedroom, lay in the bed, and passed away into glory. She knew the reality of these words. My friend, do you yourself know anything of the encouragement that we have that Ezekiel was given? The encouragement that we have in verse 12, I will open your graves, I will look after you, I have not forgotten my covenant. Do you know the assurance that's given that you will know that I am the Lord? Be assured when you see what I have done, you will know and be assured that I am the one that's able to do it. And do you know the promise that's given to his people? You will be with me for all eternity. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. <clears throat> Most gracious and ever blessed Lord, we thank thee for the goodness of thy grace this day. We thank thee for the encouragement that thy word gives to us. Go and prophesy to my people, thus saith the Lord. We thank thee that thou hast spoken. Thou hast spoken in thy word. Thou hast spoken by thy son, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful encouragement we have when thou hast spoken unto us by thy son. What an encouragement that gives us. What an assurance it gives us. And what promises belong to us. Because thou hast spoken. Thou hast said it. May it be that we would trust in thy word. May it be that we would trust in thee. And may it be that in the days to come, we would seek to look to thee, the God of all glory and of all grace. Part us in thy fear and with thy blessing, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Sing in Psalm 126, Psalm 126, singing Psalm 126, singing the whole of the psalm. When Zion's bondage God turned back, as men that dreamed were we. Then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. They among the heathen said, The Lord, great things for them hath wrought. The Lord hath done great things for us, whence joy to us is brought. Psalm 126, with Zion's bondage, God turned back. When Zion's bondage
Thursday at 7.30 be taken by uh, Mr. Ian Martin. Services next Lord's Day will be taken by Reverend William MacLeod. The collection taken last Thursday will be forwarded to TBS and there's still an opportunity to contribute if you put your donation in an envelope, <coughs> mark TBS donation, place it in the plate and Mr. Ian Martin will forward to this to the TBS. These are all the intimations that are God willing. We'll conclude with the benediction. <clears throat> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, rest on and abide with you, now and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.